Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Quike is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's time for another episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And with me, as usual, are my Trek experts. We're still out with Charles. He's in Las Vegas tonight. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. The calendar says autumn. The Mother Nature says summer. Oh, it's it's beautiful here in Vermont. It's it's going to be probably the last nice weekend we're going to have up at camp. It's in the mid seventies. A nice breeze. It is beautiful here. And we also have with us uh, Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. We are having, uh, thanks to recent rains, we are having excellent air quality here. I woke up this morning, it was below 50, which was awesome. And uh, it's just been kind of rainy and, you know, sort of beginning of fall weather here. So I am, I am just loving it right now and excited to talk about this Lower Decks episode tonight. Oh, my God, guys, yeah. we have got a show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, Episode 8, Veritas. Um, Q is back. We're going to talk about it. Stay tuned. Um, there's been lots of rumors flying around the Internet about Star Trek 4. We're going to talk a little bit about that. What's up with Star Trek 4? We're going to dive in and talk about it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery has a brand-new furry four-legged crew member, we're going to tell you a little bit about him. And, of course, Star Trek Picard won an Emmy. We're going to dive in and talk about that a little bit. And last but not least, last year on Star Trek Picard, we lost Echad. That was a big, big wrinkle. A big tidal wave ran through the Star Trek fandom around that. We're going to talk about it. Now, the new Facebook stinks and doesn't allow me to do polls anymore. Now, Charles figured out a way, a backdoor way to get in and do polls, so we'd been running them for a little while, but when they switched over to the new Facebook, they shut that backdoor that Charles had found, and I can't run polls anymore. And I love running polls because this is a live show, and which gives you guys the opportunity to call 646-668-2433 and tell us, what you think about Star Trek. And that's really important because without fans, there's no show. And so I think polls is a great way to get, get the input and opinions of you guys, the listeners and the fans. So I love doing our polls and we can't do it anymore. And that is sad. So what I'm going to be doing instead is I'll be posting questions like this one. And then you guys can just go on and tell us what you thought. And then I will pick you know, a bunch of responses. We'll read them live on the radio. 
And then myself and my truck experts will discuss what we thought about it. So that way you guys can kind of interact with us in that aspect. Also, while I'm talking about interacting, please head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that all out. Tell us where you're from so we can mention you in our fan shout-outs. And uh, like and follow us there so you can be part of our ever-growing Star Trek family. We have over 20,000 followers right now, and we'd love to have you be the next one. So please head over there and do that if you can. We'd appreciate it. Also, speaking about appreciating our fans, we do have a phone, 646-668-2433. And it does cost us a little bit of money to have that line of communications and we could use your help. All we really need is a dollar and a dream. Uh, just head over to patreon.com backslash Trek Talking and give us a dollar. That's all it takes. Not asking much. We have other um, tiers there as well that you can, whatever you're comfortable with. But really, a dollar with as many fans as we have, a dollar is really all it takes. So please, if you can help us out, we would appreciate that. We really, really would. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to be talking tonight about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 8. Just to wet your whistle a little bit, here's the trailer for the episode we'll be discussing a little later in the show. These witnesses have been brought before you to speak the truth. What's the difference between witnessing and just looking at something? All right, everybody, listen up. This mission is highly classified. Do your thing! What's my thing? Ah! Don't want to draw any attention. Hey! You've drawn my attention. Send our friends a message. What, what the what? hell are you what? doing? What's that send them a message? That means scissors. It means to invite them to dinner. No, it doesn't. All right, so that's Star Trek Lower Decks. We're going to be talking about that near the end of the show. And uh, at this part of the show, we go numbers around the globe. So I'll turn it over to Eric, and Eric can go through all the numbers while I let my dog out because she's barking like crazy. So I'll be right back. Eric, take over. Thanks, Jim. Well, this week we have something very exciting that has only happened maybe once or twice uh, in the entire life of Trek Talking. We actually have a tie for our number one spot this week. So in the number one spot for international listeners this week, it is a dead tie, 3.79% between Australia and the UK. Way to go. So such a pleasure to have uh, both of those countries on board. So many listeners, almost 4% of our listeners each coming from each of those countries. And that's just, that just really excites us. So thank you all for listening. Super cool to have you along uh, for the ride. So this, uh, this week, our top five will only be a top four. So in the number two spot, we now have Ireland, who is just a skosh below where they were last week, but they're hanging right in there, right in the middle of the pack. Um, Canada didn't change much this week. They're in the number three spot with 2.28% of our listeners and hanging on to number five and literally gaining percentage points every single week is Norway. So thank you to our Scandinavian brothers and sisters for joining the pack. Uh, Trek talking is an international phenomenon and it's so happy. uh, We're so happy to have you guys all along for the ride. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. I have a feeling that we, we're, we're definitely going to have a new number one next week because, you know, Australia and the U.K. are in a dead tie, 
And so I'm pretty sure one of them is going to take over the number one spot for sure. And Norway, Norway has been, has been gradually gaining ground on our Canadian brothers. So Norway Mm -hmm. just might be able to overtake Canada at which you guys have been following our show. Canada was always at the top of our list. They've all, they they were at Mm -hmm. number one for the longest time and, They've been slowly dropping down the list. And I wonder if that's because we don't have GM Chris with us anymore. Yeah. Our, hmm. our, our Canadian co-host. Chris I don't know. So busy. Well, if yeah, I try really, really hard, I can speak Canadian every once in a while. I can say about, and uh, I can say progress instead of progress. So I don't know. I can fake it a little bit if you guys want. <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, well, hopefully this COVID thing ends soon and uh, Canada gets back to normal and we can get GM Chris back. We always have a seat warmed up for GM Chris. So let's see what happens next mm-hmm. week with the numbers. It'll be interesting. So, guys, we go around the globe globally, but this part of the show is, is more personal. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see at the top of the page the Live Long and Prosper, and we're at, we just ask you, hey, let us know where you're where you're listening from. And every week we pick 15 lucky listeners and we give you a shout out on the show. We give your name and where you're from. And it's just a little way to be personal and give you guys the credit that you deserve. And uh, we're going to do our fan shout out right now. So Eric, why don't you get us started with our first bunch? Well, kicking us off this week, we'd like to say thank you for listening to Karen Ellis from Bournemouth in the U. Okay, live long and prosper to you. Uh, we'd also like to say hello to Anisha Hossein from Trinidad and Tobago. Hey to Angela Schutz from Berlin in Germany. Hello to, can this be true? Will Riker in Rome, Italy? Sounds fishy to me. Yeah. <laughs> and also hello to Rod- also hello to Rodrigo Eduardo Galvez Rojas in Quilipe. Chile. Thank you very much for listening. Charles, take it away, buddy. And we got William Reitner from Dublin, Virginia. David Vaughn from Galesburg, Illinois. Greg Sanders from Cornwall, UK. Janet Sheen from Australia. Down Under. And Mario Maggie from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Definitely down there. Jim, finish us off. Yeah, we'd like to send out a huge thank you and hello to Trisha McEwen, McCowan from Dublin, Ireland. That's where my grandfather came from. Uh, Mark Corporal from Crawley, the UK. We'd like to say hello and thank you to Bob Wilson from Louisville, Kentucky, where they make baseball bats, of all things. We'd like to send out a hello and live long and prosper to Randall Tag from Forest Lake, Minnesota. And last but not least, we'd like to say hello and thank you to Don Rose from Liverpool, UK, where the Beatles came from. Thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. It really means a lot to us that you do. And again, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned as a shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name, that means your name has been chosen and you'll be on the show. That's how I, I tell I don't get the names mixed up. 
when I picked the name, I, I put a love symbol next to it. So if you see a heart next to your name, you're going to be on the show. So you want to listen. And this part of the show is, is a really fun part because this is a part of the show where we get to talk about uh, Star Trek characters and things that, that don't particularly relate to the show, but they're part of Star Trek anyway. So we'll do our Star Trek birthdays and our Star Trek remembrances, which means we have to sing Happy Birthday to Worf. That was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy Worf always says that, but we love him anyways. And when we start off our birthdays, we always start off with the remembrances because I think it's important to remember those that came before us and, and what they gave to Star Trek. And just to let you guys know, any of these actors or these people that we mention, I always put the trailers for the episodes that they were in on the Facebook page underneath their birthday. So if you guys are like, wait a minute, who was that guy? What was that episode? You can always go and check out the trailer, and I'm sure that would jog your memory. So maybe... Maybe you might want to go watch one. Maybe you forgot about it. So I always put the trailers on there just, just to let you guys, you know, know. And uh, we always start off our remembrances with Eric. So, Eric, take it away. Sure. Our first one this week, guys, is an actress from one of my favorite TOS episodes, All Our Yesterdays. Anna Karen actually played the uh, Sarpedian Mort in that episode, uh, you'll remember that's the one that uh, takes place where uh, Spock has to go back to the Sarpedian Ice Age is involved with that. And um, I don't know, there's some, there's some pretty cool plot things that go on in that one. And Anna Karen was an integral part of that story. So happy birthday to Anna Karen. We'd also like to remember this week Jack Perkins, who played the master of the games in the TOS episode Bread and Circuses. Uh, which was another interesting episode. Uh, you know, I liked it. It was good. Uh, so happy birthday to Jack Perkins. We're also remembering this week Lloyd Haynes, who played Lieutenant Alden in the TOS episode Where No Man Has Gone Before. Um, he's one of the bridge uh, lieutenants that, uh, you know, helps repair a helm that, that blows up during that episode, a helm console that blows up during that episode. So happy birthday to Lloyd Haynes. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Kathy Brown, who played Dila in the TOS episode, uh, The Wink of an Eye. Uh, yet another one of those kind of femme fatales that percolates through uh, TOS. And I actually really liked her character in that one. It's a, it's a third season episode. And um, by that time, I felt like the show was really well developed and she just did a great job as the uh, sort of the antagonist uh, in that episode. We're also remembering Harry Towns this week, who played Rhaegar in the TOS episode, The Return of the Archons, uh, one of the season one episodes, kind of towards the end there. Um, so happy birthday to Harry Towns. We're remembering Jerry Ayers today, who had two kind of uh, red shirt appearances back in the TOS days. He, uh, he played Ensign O'Leary in the TOS episode Arena, which, of course, everyone remembers, uh, I think, pretty clearly. 
But he was also in the TOS episode Obsession as Ensign Rizzo, and he actually becomes kind of a, a plot point uh, in that one where he he's uh, that's the one remember where there's like a mysterious alien sucking the red corpuscles out of people's bodies and Rizzo actually survives and beam him back up to the ship and try and heal him. But then, but then eventually dies. So uh, Jerry Ayers got to play two red shirts in two different episodes of TOS, which is pretty cool. So happy birthday to him. And then topping off our remembrances this week is Henry Gibson who played Nilva uh, in the DS nine episode uh, profit and lace. Um, if you don't remember who that character is, Nilva is actually the, um, the chairman of, uh, Sluggo Cola in that episode, um, which is that crazy Ferengi beverage that has 43% live algae in every bottle. So who wouldn't want to drink it? So happy birthday to Henry Gibson. Um, that tops out our remembrances. Charles, why don't you kick off our birthdays this week? All right. We got Susan Watson, who played Lesse in TOS, the TOS episode Dagger of the Mind. Kira Couture played Ambassador Capel, also Sub Commander Solik in TNG's Data's Day. Carl Held played Lieutenant Lindstrom in the TOS episode Return of the Archon. As Eric mentioned, Spencer uh, Garrett in the TNG episode, Simon Tarsid in Drumhead. Also, Voyager played Weiss in Dark Frontier. Jason mm-hmm. Alexander played Turris in Voyager's Think Tank. Jeremy Roberts played Lieutenant. Jamiri Paltine in Star Trek VI, Voyage. Star Trek VI and uh, Voyager flashback. Now, guys, he, yeah. I got a question about that. Now, in Star Trek VI, he lived, but in Voyager, he died. So which Correct. is which? Right. <laughs> right. There's that confusion, yeah. I mean, flashback is a great episode. We get to see we get to see Captain Sulu, and we we get to see Yeoman Rand, and we get to see Tuvok, and it's a great episode. And we get to see what happens, how the Excelsior gets there so quick, and and the trouble that it runs into. It's it's a great episode, but Beltane dies in the episode because he's infected with a, a a space slug, but he's alive. At the end of the movie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Who the heck knows? <laughs> oh, oh, well. Okay. <laughs> we got He's Craig also Rick got a pretty Wilson. good... Uh... Played Craig in TNG's episode Master, Matter of Perspective. And then one that Jim... Let me do this one. Then Oilin... Owen Zero played uh, Joanne. Awushikan. Awushikan. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're uh, a Pike, you can just call her Owu. Yeah. Right. And, and then this one that 
unforgettable, but I thought fitting well because of Lower Decks today. And that's Rosalind and Allen, who played Yanar in the TNG episode The Outrageous Okana. And why do I mention that? Because when they're talking about Pike's biggest foe, somebody said the board. And said, no, Captain O'Connor, because he tricked Picard. And I thought, well, we got to put her in there, because O'Connor was mentioned today. And I thought that was a great reference in Lower Yeah, York. and <laughs> for Owushikin, for, for I found an interview that Trek Yards did with her at Star Trek Las Vegas last year. And uh, because it was her birthday, I posed, it's only a short video, like, I don't know, less than five minutes. And she talks about that. And if, if you guys want to go and check it out, it's very interesting because she's from Nigeria and they gave her a Wushikin is a Nigerian name. So they gave her a, a Nigerian name, character name, which she really appreciated. And she talks a little bit about, about that on the, in the interview. You guys can find that on our Trek talking page. If you That's are nice. so inclined, please check it out. It's interesting. Oh, Jim, why don't you finish mm-hmm. up all our birthdays? Yeah, so uh, I'll finish up. I'll take up the caboose here on the birthdays uh, like I normally do. Um, well, how, let me see. How much time do we have left here uh, in this segment? Do I need to stop or eh, might get a couple in? So let's start off with Hannah Culpepper. And Hannah Culpepper is the first woman to direct the Star Trek premiere episode with Star Trek Picard. Um, I, I, she's not only is she the first woman, but she's the first black woman. She's the, uh, so that's a very singular distinction. And so happy birthday to actually it was the first two episodes, if I remember. So happy birthday. Yeah, Holly Culpepper. Yeah, she she directed those first two episodes, so congratulations to her. She did a bang-up job to kick that off, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And, and I was shocked. I honestly was really surprised, when, you know, about Star Trek's history, that she was the first woman, and at first black woman, to direct the premiere episode. I thought, how can that be with Star Trek's wrist history? But it was. So... And she did a great job a lot of work it, to do. well, I might add. So, yep. happy birthday. And uh, here's one that I wasn't going to put in, but uh, then I thought, okay, we, we will. Uh, Leonard Crowfoot. And you're like, Uncle Jim, you've been smoking the Crowfoot. Who, who are you talking about? Well, you might recognize him as Trent from the TNG episode Angel 1. He was the little dude that was the big Amazon chicks, like um, concubine, I guess is the word. Um, And you actually see his face, and he actually is in that episode. But the reason why I chose to mention him is because he played a much more important character in another episode, a a really top-notch episode. He was in The Offspring as Lal, but not the Lal that we all know and love. He played the unchosen right. gold law that was in the holodeck yeah. trying to decide whether uh, to be human or Klingon or Andorian or whatever. So he actually was the first version of law before we get Haley, um, whose name I can't remember, Haley, whatever, mm-hmm. who played 
the Lal that we would go on to know. But he actually played Lal uh-huh. when she was just, you know, a, a, an android. A gold. Uh, a gold, yeah. A gold. Yeah. So, I, you know, I thought, Very you know, tough. Offspring is a really important episode. Uh, has a lot, lot of references in it, especially with Star Trek Picard. So I wanted to throw her in for sure. Well, guys, we have to take our very first commercial break of the night for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. So please don't, don't go away. Don't touch your dial because we'll be right back after these very short yet very important messages. And for the rest of our listeners that are listening live or on, uh, you know, any of the other, like maybe um, iHeartRadio or whatever, Here's a little little commercial from Freakopolis Geekery. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, And of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, You'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back, guys. We're going to continue on with our birthdays. The next one that we have to talk about is Aldous Hodge. Now, Aldous Hodge played Kraft, a funny face, in the Short Treks episode Calypso. And that's extremely relevant because in Calypso, we find out that the Discovery is a thousand years in the future just hanging out in this... um, in this nebula waiting for the crew to return been taken over by a intelligent AI. It's a, it's an outstanding episode of short treks. If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Uh, the next birthday that we want to send birthday wishes out to is Carolyn McCormick who played Minuet in the TNG episode one, one, zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one. And, um, she was the uh, the uh, a tr- the woman that the binars made to keep Riker in the holodeck. Um, he says something like, "What what's a what's a good looking broad like you doing in a computer computer generated mm-hmm. gin joint like this or something like along those lines?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's very memorable. If, you, if you've seen the episode, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Riker picks up the trombone, yeah. plays a little song for her. Uh, that was Minuet. So happy birthday to Carolyn McCormick. Uh, we'd also like to say um, happy birthday to Rosalind Chow, who played Keiko O'Brien on TNG and Deep Space Nine. Happy birthday to Rosalind Chow. And I always do the Klingons. And so we have a Klingon this week. And I saved him for last. A Bob Heron. Oh, who actually hold on. played. Yeah. Let's reference Rosalind from Measure Rosalind for a moment. She was Klinger's wife in MASH, which Leslie Hoffman was a part of in that series. 
That's right. She. That's, ex- that's exactly it, right. She she that. six, when that fixture. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Leslie yeah. Leslie mentioned that on on stunt tracks. That's right. Now uh, Bob Heron played the original Kless in the TOS episode The Savage Curtain. Um, not the Kless that we all got to see later. This was a, a TOS version of Kless. Shoe polish on the face, you know, matted down, ugly hair, mustache and all. So happy birthday to Bob Heron, the original. KOS from the TOS episode, The Savage Curtain. And last but not least, another Klingon, an important Klingon, actually, a very important um, Klingon, Chris Obi, who played Takuma in the, in the Star Trek Discovery Vulcan Hello um, episode. And uh, what I liked about his character is when we first are introduced to the Klingons, not only do they speak Klingon, but if you guys remember, it, he speaks it and it's texted in Klingon. So like the first, the first couple of lines are said in Klingon and printed in Klingon, and then it changes to English, which was really, really cool. And by the way, guys, speaking of Discovery, speaking of the Vulcan Hello, tonight at 10 p.m., Star Trek Discovery Season 1 will be airing on CBS. Everybody that around the world can watch Season 1 of Discovery starting tonight at 10 o'clock. You can actually watch that episode. So check that out if you haven't seen it. And that brings us around to Star Trek News. Where There it is. Yeah. Live, 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 live. From our studio, studio, studios <laughs> in Rutland, Vermont. <laughs> Star Trek News. So, I, if you guys have been listening to uh, Star Trek, we're, we're working on that. We're, we're working on that. It, it, it's it's still in progress. So, just, just bear with us. So, uh, we didn't have a sound effect until now. So, we're still we're still working on it. So. This is the part of the show where we just talk a little bit about what's going on on the internet, different different things that are happening, news that might be of interest to you guys as Star Trek fans. So all the things that we're going to talk about go on our Facebook page and read these articles in person. You can read the entire article yourself. And uh, I just go through and just take out the important stuff so that we have something to mention to you guys. If you hear something you like, or maybe you think that we're not giving you the whole story or you think maybe we're not totally accurate, please go to our Facebook page and read the entire article for yourself. Everything that we talk about on this show is right there for you guys. Okay, so please check it out if you're so inclined. All right, Star Trek news. I'm going to start off with Star Trek news here with a story that we talked about at the top of the hour a Star Trek Paramount responds to rumors about the franchise ending. The Star Trek franchise is an iconic piece of history, which with entire generations are brought up on. The property has found massive success in both TV and film and is showing no signs of slowing down. Paramount has responded, shutting down the rumor and clarifying that the movies are currently still in development. But while the recent trilogy of movies hasn't been officially ended, it does seem like the franchise will remain in development hell for the foreseeable future. It's time to use some Vulcan patience. 
Now, I think that what we're seeing here is a two-pronged situation. First of all, COVID, everything is shut down. All production is shut down. Even movies that have been completed that were set to be released, like Wonder Woman 84, that was supposed to come out this month, the new Halloween movie was supposed to be out in time for Halloween, and there's a few others. They've pushed those movies up to next year. And so a lot of movies, they're not even going to go in the theaters, and they're not even being produced. So I think that, that this whole thing is being blown out of proportion by the, the, the haters out there that are just looking for any excuse, and it's not true. So I just wanted to clarify that and let you guys know that. And the other thing is that Paramount, and we talked about this last week, Paramount Plus is going to be hitting the air, which is going to be a conglomerate of CBS All Access and Paramount Viacom. Now, with the merger going on, they no longer have to have two separate shows, which is why we have the Kelvin Universe. And Discovery, they had to be separate because they were made technically by two different companies. We don't have that restriction anymore. Star Trek is now under one umbrella and one happy family. So I think, I personally think that what they're trying to do is get Star Trek all back on the same page and kind of create like a Marvel universe of Star Trek where things that are going on in the movies are also being mirrored by things that are happening on the TV show to make it one big happy world. And that's going to require some thought because currently the Kelvin universe isn't part of the real Star Trek world. So I think that they're just trying to figure out the best way to bring Star Trek to the movies that's not going to conflict with what we're seeing in the TV shows. What do you think, Eric? Do you think that's a reasonable assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think they'd like to pull the family back together, and I think that as Star Trek fam, fans, we would all like to see the family pulled back together. Um, I mean, the Kelvin timeline is a very awesome offshoot of Star Trek, and you know, our my hope had always been that there would be some way that it could be kind of tied back into um, all of the Trek that we already know and love. I almost wonder if things, if little forays into that have started already, for example, and I know we'll talk a lot more about this later, but uh, did you guys catch Boimler's reference to Spock and Spock in this uh, tonight's episode? So I almost wondered if that was like a little uh, tip of the hat to, uh, you know, Zachary Quinto (laughs) slash Leonard Nimoy or not, but I, you know, I'm all for it. I, I, I love the fact that they're kind of under one umbrella and uh, I hope that people can start to actually now see the Kelvin timeline stuff as more integrated with what we with all the other 54 years of Trek that we have. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think, uh, Charles? Well, I think one of people kind of missed the fact that problem with the delay in filming some of the Kelvin Universe stuff is yeah. a couple of the actors in the series got very popular and a bit famous of their roles and they became bigger actors wanting more money and not really balancing out where everybody kind of earned, is rewarded towards those, that bigger money. That we're, we're getting people with bigger names. So, 
I'm not sure what direction we're going to get in the Kelvin universe. But I think we've got some other ideas floating around. It's just fine deciding who wants to do what and who can be successful with it. We don't have to do another Kelvin universe. We could do an entirely new crew. But I think if you make it very Star Trek-esque, just like we did Discovery, then I think we can still make a good success out of it. And now the Paramount yeah. and Star Trek, Paramount, now they now they got Viacom back. CBS and Paramount are back together. We could combine some of stuff other without the restrictions that were there previously. And I think some stuff right. may have been delayed trying to deal with the merger that's been going on for a couple I, of years. I also think that what we saw was short tracks. They used the short tracks to introduce us to other Star Trek projects that were in the work. And I think that Short Treks was so successful, I think they could do the same thing with the movies. You know, they could find a way to, you know, hint either with Short Treks or or things that are happening in Star Trek, and then boom, here's a movie very easily. Well, and I think the one thing, I think you're right, Jim, and I think the other thing that most Star Trek fans sort of forget about, but that is actually has actually been a part of Star Trek lore since the beginning is that Star Trek exists in a multiverse. Um, you know, we, the most common other place that we go is the quote mirror universe from mirror mirror from TOS. But, um, you know, we've seen in some of the other, uh, sources that there could be an infinite number of crews out there, an infinite number of ships in different universes. And that that's very fitting with kind of some of the other things that, we've seen in Marvel and whatnot, which, you know, actually branch out from older science fiction. Those concepts branch out from older science fiction. But um, I'm curious uh, about whether or not we would ever see, you know, any actors who are still alive mixing with Kelvin timeline folks or not. I don't know. Maybe that's been overdone a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do myself. So yeah, and we'll see. But the movies are not are not dead, Eesh. so you can you can rest Eesh. assured that there is going to be more Star Trek movies. So, Eric, our next sound, our next story goes right to you. Cool. Uh, well, do you did you have a soundbite set up for this one, Jim? Oh, oh yes, I do. Absolutely, I've got the All whole. Right. The full, the full spot. <laughs> you want to tell people well, about awesome. it first? You want so me to what, play it first? No, I'll tell do? people about it first. Yeah. So, so what we are going to do is we. There was this awesome thing that came out on the internet a few days ago. Uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart clash in an Uber Eats ad. So, Jim, why don't you play the ad for us and let's talk about it? Okay. Here we go. Tonight, I'll be eating a veggie cheeseburger on ciabatta. No tomato. Tonight, I'll be eating four cheese tortellini with extra tomatoes. So it's come to this. Thank you. Bravo. 
careful, Hamel. Daddy's not here to save you. Oh, I am my daddy. Wait, what? <laughs> Tonight, I'll be eating roasted cauliflower tacos with spicy chipotle sauce. Thank you. Oh! Ah! I wasn't ready! You want cheese to go with that wine? Tonight, I'll be eating chicken tikka masala with garlic naan. Cheers. I win again. Patrick. That's Sir Patrick. Sir. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part is that, sir. And what you can't tell from the audio from that is that when they, when they face off against each other, they're, they're in sort of this, um, you know, warehouse type uh, environment. And Mark Hamill has an American baseball bat and Patrick Stewart has a cricket bat, and they're holding them like lightsabers. <laughs> it's a great commercial. It was a really it fun really commercial, and it was fun to see. It was fun to see those two opposite each other because obviously we know that Mark Hamill's got a uh, a pretty funny side to him, um, particularly you know in some of his character voice work that he's done in the past, and. You know, Patrick Stewart, I think, maybe was a little fussy back in the day, but he's shown himself to be a little fun-loving here and there as well. So it was a real treat to see those two on the screen at the same time fighting over tomatoes uh, in an Uber Eats ad. So (laughs) very cool. (laughs) I just wanted to throw that in there for you guys. (laughs) Yeah, and almost as much fun as Mark Hamill facing off against uh, Patrick Stewart is what Charles is going to tell us about the next story. Yep, and part of this you can definitely see if you go on to CBS All Access and go over Discovery and find out the little uh, discussion about Rudd. He's beaming, uh, beaming in to season three of Discovery. Among the main new characters that uh, Discovery will introduce season three, one of a non-human sort, a fluffy feline named Grudge. The cat is played by an 18-pound main coon named Liu. It's just the latest cat star in the 54-year-old franchise. But it's already stealing the show. The two-year-old Maine Coon, like any Hollywood star worth their, worth their claws, is on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow along with his adventures. The staff works hard to make sure you feel safe in his environment and get him to look at the camera. They use handlers that his attention with tinfoil and tree bags. And as I said, if you watch the CBS All Access interview, you'll notice the discussion with the two ladies taking care of him. He is going to be an interesting character in the series. Yeah, I was going to rip the Especially audio from, from that. Um, I was going to rip the audio from that, but I figured, you know, we got to let we, our fans got to do some of the work. So if you guys want to see the video, you'll have to go to go and check it out for yourself. So, anyway. well, and I really, Eric, I really, I really have to know for some reason too because in that video they refer to the cat as a he, 
But then the actor refers to the cat as a she, so I don't know. Is it a boy cat? Is it a girl cat? Does it matter? I don't know. But yes, Jim, yeah. I'll take on the next one. The next story. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, just to to make sure that you understand that that is a uh, that has happened in Star Trek before. Spot went from a boy yeah. to a girl on on TNG. So it has happened before. Yep. <laughs> it has so happened Eric, before. Our next story, I uh, I put up just for you. Ah, so cool. Well, I'm really excited about this one. This one is all about Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard wins the Emmy for makeup. Short Treks comes up a little bit short. Star Trek Picard wins the Emmy for makeup. Picard was more fortunate winning the Emmy for outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, limited series, movie, or special. Taking home the award were James Robert McKinnon, special makeup effects department head, uh, Vincent Van Dyke, who's the prosthetics designer, Richard Redlefson, who is the special makeup effects artist, Alexei Dimitru, who is the special makeup, who is also special makeup, makeup effects artist, and Neville Page, uh, prosthetic designer, uh, Michael Ornelas. This team was accepted, uh, accepted the award remotely via the streaming ceremony on Wednesday. This was the second year in a row winning this award for both Page and McKinnon, who won the Emmy for prosthetic makeup in 2019 for Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek's 2020 Emmy is the 37th win for the franchise in total. The 72nd Primetime Emmy Awards ceremony was broadcast on Sunday night. A couple of Star Trek legends were remembered during Sunday's In Memoriam segment, which remembers noteworthy figures in television who have passed away in the last year. And the figures that they remembered during those segments included uh, oh. Rene Abergenois, uh, Rene Abergenois, who had a career spanning decades beginning in the 1960s, including five seasons on Boston Legal, alongside William Shatner. Abergenois' accolades include two Emmy nominations and a Tony Award as well for theater. He's pa- he passed away in December 2019 at the age of 79, and he may best be known for his role for seven seasons as Odo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and the Emmys, Emmys In Memoriam segment showed the actor alongside the iconic space station. Yeah. They, also showed, they also showed an In Memoriam for um, probably one of the best, better known, and sometimes secret writers uh, on TOS. Um, Dorothy D.C. Fontana began her career as an assistant to Star Trek creator John, Gene Roddenberry, who recognized her talent very quickly. She soon began writing on a number of series and became one of the driving creative forces for the original Star Trek. Roddenberry brought her back to the franchise to help develop Star Trek The Next Generation two decades later, for which she won a Hugo Award. She also won a number of WGA Awards and was inducted into the Screenwriters Hall of Fame. She passed away in 2019 at the age of 80. The Television Academy remembered Fontana in, t- in the 2020 montage with her image projected onto the USS Enterprise D. Um, so, yeah, did you did either one of you guys get a chance to actually watch that? I didn't watch it, but I, I saw pictures of those in Memorial very mm-hmm. well. I did, I did watch the video. Um, there's a woman playing a, uh, a piano, and they have all the people that passed away last year that come up behind her and in memoriam, including 
Renee and Dorothy. Um, I was going to rip the audio, but to play on the show, but it wasn't. It, it was just a lady playing a piano, and you really wouldn't know what it was you were watching. But, 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 you know how I am. I do have the accepted speech for Star Trek Picard, and I'm going to play that for you guys right now. And here are the nominees for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for a series, limited series, movie or special. The makeup teams from American Horror Story 1984, True Killers. Hollywood, Jump. The Mandalorian, Chapter 6, The Prisoner. Pose. Loves in need of love today. Star Trek Picard, absolute candor. Westworld, crisis theory. And the Emmy goes to Star Trek Picard, absolute candor. I'd like to thank the amazing crew of artists and technicians at my studio. I'd like to thank my mentors, Tom and Barry Berman, Aaron Kruger McCash, my mom, my dad, and Donald. A special thank you to my beautiful wife, Sasha, for supporting me in everything I do, along with contributing your amazing talents to this show. I share this with you. I'd like to thank CBS, Alex Kurtzman, Heather Caden, Aaron Byers, Akiva Goldsman, and our amazing director, Jonathan Franks. Uh, the 267 artists that came out and played it with us this year, and my wife. With a group of men in a male-dominated category, we must say the new rules have left over 10 women off the ballot this year. Sylvie Knight should be here with us today. We stand with women. Yeah, so nice. did you guys watch that? What, what did you think? I think that was a really classy maneuver right there. I will say that I do think they deserve that because I thought the Romulan makeup in that episode was fantastic. I loved the introduction of the the two different kind of uh, regional types of uh, Romulans, which we find out later are Northerners and Southerners, um, which, you know, we haven't kind of seen variation in the Romulans before. So I, I thought they did a really great job on that episode. And I think that they definitely deserved the Emmy. I thought that that was a really classy maneuver at the end, talking about the folks who didn't uh, make the ballot that maybe should have made the ballot. Yeah, that was, that re- I, I, I really like the memor- the memoriam that they put up too for DC Fontana and Rene Aubergenois. I thought that was classy as well. Charles, you get the last yeah, it's word really... on the Emmys here. If, if if you have anything you want to throw in, no, I think you pretty much covered it. I think they did a good job with it. Glad to see didn't get all the awards they could have, but look at the competition going up, especially. Shows like Mandalorian. That's quite a bit of a lead to get up there. Yep, mm-hmm. that's true. And you know, and you know, Jim, the last thing that I'll say about DC Fontana is just remember, folks, when you watch TOS, don't just look for her name in the writing credits. Look for also J. Michael Bingham and look for Michael Richards because those are two pseudonyms that she used back in the day. Uh, because it wasn't okay to have a woman doing every single episode all the time. And she was so prolific and she was involved in so many episodes that she sometimes had to use the pseudonym. So look for those three names and they all are credited to the same woman. 
Yeah, and she she wrote some really really great episodes of of Star Trek. So I thought that was really really oh, yeah. nice, really classy the way they the way they did it. So uh, and of course with COVID it was all done by by a Zoom as well. If you guys watched it, um, it wasn't mm-hmm. they didn't have an audience. They didn't do it live like they usually do. So COVID is is creeping into everything. So uh, believe it or not, that's the end of our second segment. The show is flying by real quick. Uh, we're going to be talking about the death of Ichib in Star Trek Picard. So you guys might want to give us a call and tell us what you think about the death of Ichib. Our number is 646-668-2433. Please give us a call and let us know. We have a lot of fans to get to that we're going to go through. So if you want to get in, give us a call, and we'll get you right on the air. And, of course, later on we're going to be talking about Lower Decks, Episode 8. Man, that's going to be fun. This was a great one, a lot of fun. I got a lot of sound bites to play. So the show is only half over. Run. Don't walk in the bathroom. Don't touch that dial because we're going to be right back after we hear this awesome song awesome friend of ours we'll be right back it's been a long road getting from there to here it's been a long time but your time is finally here you can feel the change in your thoughts right now nothing's in your way and they're not gonna hold you down no more no they're not gonna hold you down We've got faith, that's your call We want to hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In trust talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you got to do is sound now You can reach us right now We've got faith We've got faith Okay, and we're back, and that's our very own Eric who put that together for us. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> and uh, you bet. We actually, and and you know what? It worked because we have a caller. Woo-hoo. So I can get we the phone faith. to answer, and it ha- there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking to Beyond. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name is David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Hey, hey David. David. What's up, buddy? Yeah, not Are much. Enjoying the show so far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. So, guys, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the death of Ichib in Star Trek Picard. And uh, we we have a lot of fans that answered this one, so I don't want to dilly-dally around too much so we can get to everybody's comments. So with that, I'm going to turn this, this part of the show over to Charles. And uh, take it away, Charles. What did our fans think about the death of Ichib? Okay. Gonna la- <laughs> this may stretch in the whole segment of here. Clean. And on his thoughts of Ichib. It was a shock, but I suppose but it was supposed to be. It became a crucial part of the story. Of course, it also made me very nervous for all the returning guest searches, including you, exactly as planned. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Ilonka Liska basically says that Manu should have played the character. Kev now. He lost the eye. Ooh. But, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I get it. I get it, but uh, too soon. Yeah, I get it, but ooh. <laughs> Lutz Mawinski. He tells his death was the most gruesome thing I'd ever seen happen in Star Trek and completely unnecessary. I'm actually still angry at how the series handled it. Or should I say mangled the character? That was definitely a gruesome scene on that one. Yeah. Then, out of Brewer, a disturbing scene, one potentially did dictated by political vignettes. But I was more dismayed to see Seven commit mass murder later in the episode. It was a very action anti-hero scene and not very searching. And it was sad to see Seven reduced to such a such a state. One of one would have wished for her to have a happier life in the life of a bloodbath dealer. And Tronball. Such a weight for the character and had more story, I thought. Eric Felcher. It was a it was terrible to see something like that. It gets on streaming services, but that wasn't the worst ep- worst <coughs> episode's worst part. When Picard gave seven of nine the gun and she killed dozens of people in raids. <clears throat> but just remember, seven of nine is a hero. Not really. It had to grow in the series. Jacob yeah. David. Totally unnecessary. <clears throat> seven sense of justice should have come from her time on Voyager and her regaining her humanity. Each of death wasn't needed for her to go after the Jay-Z who harmed other former boards that viewers didn't know. And finally, on my side, Chris Rent. I regret having watched the series, and this is one of the reasons. Ichabod's death felt like the equivalent of killing a dog in a horror movie to elicit easy emotion. Hmm. Ah, A little bit rough, but let's see what Jim has to say. Yeah, what we have another caller on the line. So uh, Eric's Eric's mm. song work. Let's see who we got and what they have to say. Good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talking and Beyond. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, this is Josh calling from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hi, Josh. What's Welcome going on? Josh. Good to talk to you guys again. I just finished watching this week's episode of Lower Decks. Uh, Excellent. It was well, it was really hilar- another really hilarious episode. Uh, you know, I really loved how they were, uh, you know, doing so the the classic motif of like everybody remembering the day differently, and that was really funny. But I I wanted to comment on something. I thought it was really awesome that John Delancey returned his cue for the first time in twenty years. Um, 
but did you notice that there was another Star Trek alumnus uh, in in the episode? Hello? Yeah, Kurt. Yes, Kurt. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, we've got a couple. Yeah. There's actually two two that came up in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to talk more about, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I thought, oh, that's that's completely awesome because, you know, of course, people remember him as the Federation president from Star Trek VI and also as the the main villain in the uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager episode, Year from Hell. So, uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, he's not done for uh, that 70s show. Um, but um, Eric's father. Yeah, yep. Eric's mm-hmm. father, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as always, I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it was really cool to see Q, uh, the Q himself back again. Uh you know, I, I was I was hoping he was going to show up on the card last season, but maybe next season he'll he'll pop in. You never know with him. Um, he can go anywhere. And oh yeah, I mean, you know, as he said, you know, time and space is his playground. So you know, um, that was very awesome. But um, you know, I, I I would still like to know how they got a hold of the. The the classic Romulan bird of prey, uh, you know, clearly it was in some sort of museum, and you know, it was really quite an episode. So uh, I look forward again to next week. Uh, really, I think Lower Decks is starting to become one of my my favorite Star Trek show. But um, I love the whole Gorn wedding scene. That was pretty cool too, wasn't it? That was great, and you know what? We're going to talk about that, and I've got some sound bites to play, and we're going to talk about that in great detail in our next segment. Right now we're talking about the death of Ichib on Star Trek Picard, and uh, we're going to get oh, around yeah. the lower decks in, in just a few minutes. So why don't you hang out for a, for a couple minutes, and when we get down to our Star Trek lower decks, you can chime right in and uh, hear what we have to say about it, and uh, we have some nice some fun sound effects to play. So please stay okay. tuned. So we're going to jump sure right thing. into the Echeb, um, the Echeb thing. And uh, Frederick Schauer said from a storytelling point, it made sense to treat some of the characters the way they did. It was supposed to be different format from old school Star Trek. I enjoyed Picard for what it was and for the new characters it established. To me, the question is less about whether or not they did a good job, which I think they did. But if Star Trek needs that kind of treatment in the first place, ever since the Abrams movies, there's this idea of having to modernize the franchise stuck in the heads of the creators. Yet whatever the fan base of Star Trek has up to this point, it's owned its classical format to Star Trek storytelling. There's a plot armor. There's a status quo to go back to, and the endings are mostly happy ones, deserved or not. These mechanics were invented for a reason, because they make people feel good, and feel at home within a franchise. I also enjoy Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and any new idea that works. But this is not an argument to do with everything that has worked before, if it has a reason. Uh, Tate August Hotwick says, Serve the story for Itchy to die. I can't think of anyone closer to Seven whose death would have had a resonance with that, which is true. You had to have something to set off Seven of Nine. Uh, 
Luis Miguel Marcos Ma says, I felt very sorry. If someone checked his existence in the Star Trek universe, that character already suffered greatly. There was no need at all to give him an end such as they did. Sometimes it's an agreeable that some things might not end well. Marcus Kuma says, everything about this swindle trek is awful and depressing. No problem at all about the format of storytelling. It's just bad writing, terrible plot, and Picard's character was deconstructed in a very disrespectful way. Thomas Ray says, Echip was created to serve Seven of Nine's character in Voyager. He really didn't do much else. So Echip's death was also there to serve Seven of Nine's character again. It's okay to let Echip die. See you, Echip. Nobody will miss you. Jeffrey Aker says, Came very close to finishing my interest in Star Trek Picard, the only episode I didn't watch more than once. Now, what do I watch Star Trek for? Patty Wagon says, I was actually interested in watching Picard until I heard they killed off Echip. I think I will skip it now. Julian Phillips says, it felt rushed, but in retrospect, I feel that it allowed longstanding Star Trek fans to empathize with Seven's rage a lot easier than if it were with someone that had just been introduced on the show. And Eric, why don't you finish us off? Sure. Uh, Our fan Joe Moo said, I rather enjoyed it showing how ruthless and determined the Romulans were. Not everybody can get a happy ending. Tom Allen said, awful. We are left behind that a Star Trek officer and a member of Voyager's crew can be brutally murdered and nobody but seven cared. Trevor Bodron said, absolutely wasted a great story arc. That said, the horror of his implants being removed was a great way to show Seven's rage. Steve Bem said, it was a dumb thing for the writers to do. I would have loved to have seen him in a series later. Yeah, I get why they did it, but there's so many other ways they could have shown Seven getting uh, pushier, uh, pushed to where she was. Paul Galloway says, as much as I enjoyed Picard, this was out of character for Trek and was too graphic. Matt Delaplane said, very sad. It explained why Seven hated Bejazel so much. William Marsh said both Echeb and Hugh were done very wrong, and they should have had a very large part in Picard alongside 7F9, and it would have given us an ex-board crew who have various skills and plots to make into stories that would have tied into season one in a better way. Hayden Richards said, this was brutal and horrific to watch. I shed a tear when I saw this. Leslie Ann Baker said it was heartbreaking from seeing him grow on Voyager and everything he had been through, uh, which is what one of the other previous commenters said. This is not an end I wanted for him. Wendy Schneider said darkest, most heartbreaking Trek moment ever. Eddie Matsuzoka said, I feel it was cheap and a way to just create gravitas. Britton Pentakill said, honestly, it needed to happen to fuel why Seven is such a vigilante. Jonathan Bruner said, the, char- the Star Trek episode I'm least likely to ever watch again. Not the worst written, not the best either. It has more in common with a slasher film than anything else. Raven T. Kirk said brutal, but Trek can be brutal sometimes. Starla Covington, unnecessary. John Powers, bad writing, just for shock value. Adam Bowman, it was disgusting, and they certainly didn't need to show it in such a graphic fashion. And Derek Janot said, I was angry. He was one of my favorites, and that person that killed him got what she deserved um so i'm interested of course we i think we talked about this back when the episode first came out i'm interested to hear what you and what our callers think um i personally agree with most of these folks who say that it was it was too much it was too much graphic for me 
I literally was absolutely shocked that they kind of took it to that level um, in a Star Trek show. And I get that it set up uh, Seven of Nine's, you know, reactions later on in in the episode, but it was too much for me to watch. I did watch that episode twice. The second time I watched that I definitely wasn't afraid to look away during that part. You know, when I saw it the first time, I was stunned. But then when I watched it the second time, I realized that wasn't his real eye. That was that was not that was just a, a, an implant. It was a it wasn't they weren't ripping out somebody's eye. It was just an implant. It wasn't a real eye. Jim, um, Jim, so, it does not it does not matter. It caused him extreme extreme pain while it was happening, and it was torture to watch. <laughs> it, 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 did, it doesn't but, matter if it was um, a real eye or not. Uh, but they were electrical wires that they were cutting, and it, 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 it yeah. Anyway, sure. so so, what did you guys think about it, Josh? Oh, you still I actually thought, yeah, I actually or, or, think that each of is not technically dead because, I mean, look what happened to Prime Harry from Voyager when he died out in space. He came back from a different dimension. So who knows? They might bring each of back. Mm. I think that would yeah. take away all of the gravitas of Seven having to kill him. I don't think that they would ever do that because that would undo the entire – like they, they went all in when they killed Icheb because going all in on killing Icheb means that Seven of Nine becomes the badass with the guns and goes and, and kills everybody. And it's the only reason that she can be pushed to do something like that because presumably she's still – a good person and still has all of the lessons that she learned from Janeway along the way. Right. Right. Picard has couched her as a, um, as a vigilante, as someone who's still out there helping the underdog, but is kind of willing to do what it takes. Uh, you know, if that means killing a few people, that means killing a few people. I, I fight against the folks who say it's not very Starfleet because remember seven of nine's not Starfleet at this point. So yeah, it's not very Starfleet. You can argue that it's not very Star Trek, but I would argue that Star Trek has all sorts of people, including mass murderers and people who commit genocide and all kinds of stuff. So I don't, I don't think the argument that it's not very Star Trek uh, has much water. It just is whether or not it's uh, a Starfleet action for Seven of Nine to kind of go vigilante after an extremely stunning thing like that. Well, I'll go back to TNG. I mean, where where one of my favorite characters, Kalar, was killed off in order to push Worf over the edge to kill Duras. And if they didn't kill off Kalar, no. Worf wouldn't have killed Duras. And Worf going over and killing Duras back in the 80s wasn't a very Star Trek thing to do. It wasn't as graphic, but that was the 80s TV show. But still, he, he committed murder, and Picard gave him a pretty heavy dressing down and gave him a, and, and put a mark in his record for doing that. So it's not the first time we've seen this happen on Star Trek. It's not as graphic. I mean, I mean the well, question, and that's the question to me is: Could they have told the story, Charles? I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Could they have told the story without it being quite so graphic, or did they did they need to push it to that level to tell the story that they wanted to tell? Well, okay. I guess that's one thing I wanted. To go, one thing I want to show about graphical. Did we virtually blow up a admiral in season one of TNT? Yes, we did. 
Yeah, that was pretty graphic. (laughs) I have to tell you, though, guys, it's different from torture. It is different from torture. The inner light bothered me more than watching some admiral get vaporized, right? Exactly. For somebody who don't care about about We often talk about the stories where we want to see, not tell a story. I think this story probably would have gone over a lot better if it was more tell and less see. I think yeah. this was a bit graphical. The second time we saw it, I actually looked away from the screen. I didn't want to see it. Yeah. I'm not a big horror flick fan. thought it was a little too graphic. So I think I would have loved to have gotten a little more tell or maybe... Not just a graphical loss of a past character. I think I would have liked to have seen this handled a little differently. What about you, David? Oh, yeah, I kind of already gave out my opinion. I mean, when you put time travel into any kind of show, TV show, it's literally got multiple universes. And I think each of out there somewhere in a different part of the universe who probably have a different backstory, who they probably will bring back eventually if they wanted to. And no matter how uh, Seven and Nine have reacted in this universe, you know. So, technically, to me, he died in this universe, yes, but he... Just, you know, I don't know. I mean, yes, it was horrible for the graphic-wise. I have to agree with Eric that it was pretty graphic as far as um, Star Trek goes. But it was just, I don't know. To me, it was just something that happened in the show. And if he died, I don't know if the guy himself, the actor who played the character, wanted to be out of Star Trek. Or maybe he didn't have a say. I don't know. But, I mean, look at Han Solo. You know, he 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 actually wanted to be killed off because he didn't want to play him anymore. So, I don't know. But to me, Ichab, yes, he was a pretty big part in Voyager, but the idea of, like, what some of the people have commented already about him being a plot armor for uh, Seven to be doing this, is just probably some sort of thing that the writers couldn't figure out how else to make seven and nine go off ram shooting everybody. But, you know, I mean, to me, it's kind of wasn't too much of a surprise to me. I don't know why, but it was just kind of something that happened. <laughs> so. Well, they, they killed off Egypt. They killed off you. They killed off Bruce Maddox. Um, so, you know, and they told us, they told us the characters would be dying. We were made aware of that. So, they did exactly what they told us they were going to do. But this Maybe Doug Galaxy took I'm, a hard left turn. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I, I'm surprised, and I'm actually, it's not only you know, a surprise, but I'm happy that this is still a topic of conversation on the Internet, that people are still talking about this. Because for all the, all the, the negativity that I hear and read about Star Trek, the fact that people are still talking about about it and about this means whether you, they hated it, they can say they hated it all they want, they still watched it and they're still talking about it, so it had an impact. And at the end of the day, 
you know, that's what the best you can hope for is an impact that made people stop and think and talk. And that's what Star Trek does the best, makes people stop and think and talk. So it, it couldn't have been as bad as everyone's saying it is, or they wouldn't be talking about it. Right? Sure, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it can I mean, be as not, bad and we can uh, still talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but people don't talk about, I mean, they're still not talking about, you know, no, but that I mean, we people, have long forgotten. Well, well, I mean, people are still referencing, yeah, people are, I mean, still reference some of the words, like people still talk about the death of Tashiar, right? Because that was a terrible injustice uh, and a character that was taken away from us too early. I, I, I mean, I think it's very reasonable to to feel that each of maybe needed to die to keep the plot going forward, but that the nature by which he died was a little it, like you can like what they did in the story, but not like the way that they did it. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it just it just goes to show that the whole idea of ripping off implants from the Borg is not a good thing. You no, know? it's not a good thing. And and I think that there have always been in Star Trek really great questions about, like, a person who is a Borg. Do they deserve are, – are they still, like, conscious? Are they still sentient? Do they deserve any rights? You know, I mean, in this case, we had somebody who obviously was being, having part of uh, their body ripped away, implant or not. It was a human. Ichab was a human. And this caused him extreme pain, and it just went to show how brutal Bejazel was as a person. I think that the one thing that they kind of, like, tossed into Picard that they never developed at all was supposedly she maybe had a relationship with Seven, whether it was a, D, a, a romantic one or whether it was just a business one. I'm not sure. They didn't really develop that that much, and I feel like not developing that relationship makes the death of Icheb a little less strong because I don't – you don't totally understand understand the betrayal of Bejazel against Seven of Nine unless you really sit and think about it. I, I, was, under, I was under the impression, um, particularly the way it ended with, with her and, um, um, and Rafi, I was under the impression that Bejazel and her had an affair and they were romantically involved because it made the betrayal that much more um, personal when she says that she just used her to get close to her because she wanted Echeb and she told her all about Echeb in confidence and she betrayed that confidence and tortured him and, and did what she did. And that's why she snapped and went off the deep end. But you know, they could have, they could have yep. thrown a few more lines in about that. But listen guys, we have to take our final commercial break of the night. We're going to listen to the Star Trek lower decks theme song which is going to get us all primed and ready for our next segment. We're going to dive right in and talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. Don't touch your dial.
And we're back, and it's time to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. Hey, Josh, if you're listening, give us a call back, and we're going to dive right in and talk about Lower Decks. So this is episode eight of Veratis, and um, I, I don't know where to start. I loved it so much. David, why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, yeah, I actually like this episode almost just as much as I did with my favorite episode, which was episode two. Um, I almost thought it was well-written to the point where it was different from any other episodes I've seen so far because it was just, like, going on and on and on about the different uh, ways of explaining what happened that star date. And um, I liked all the little references that they mentioned. And it was a lot of fun because you actually get to see Q back. And even though, yeah, it was 20 years ago and he sounds a slight bit different, like older, <laughs> but at the same time, it was pretty nice to have six, uh, the same characters come back and uh, actually enjoy to see them perform what at the peak level what they did back in the 80s. So it was, uh, it was pretty re- rewarding in a sense of having to wait for a next episode that was pretty good. Um, out of all the uh, episodes that we've seen so far, uh, this one probably definitely reached up to my top favorite. And it was There's pretty good. I liked it. Only two episodes left. This episode was yeah. tough. I, I talked with Eric a little bit in chat because I'm trying to figure out what what clips I wanted to play for you guys on the show tonight for us to talk about because there was just so much. It was such a good episode. So here's the first clip that I picked because I just fell off my couch laughing, laughing, laughing. Uh, here's the first clip. Doing work. See if you guys like repair it. Bay. Welcome, Dana. Are you nuts? I said, who's the all-time biggest badass? Not who's a dude nobody's heard about. Uh, everyone knows Roga Dana. No, they don't. She totally outsmarted Picard. And he has amazing hair. Well, what about Khan, right? Khan was a genetically engineered supervillain. Dude was a space seed. Oh, oh, pause for a second. I want to talk about Khan and that thick, thick chest, but I got a pee. Roga Daynar. Get the f*** out of my face. Guys, the ship's at red alert. <laughs> Oh my God. So I'm laughing again because, <laughs> all right, the, the reason why I laughed so hard at that particular, because that's the way I talk to my Star Trek fans when we're talking about Star Trek, <laughs> you know? It's like, we'll be talking about something. Like, Get that, what are you talking about? And that's exactly the way, <laughs> and, and to hear them do the same thing on Star Trek just made me laugh so hard because... It's such an honest reaction. I thought, anyways. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All, and the whole I, I love Boimler's like great hair comment about Rogan Danar because he does have great hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I loved it. I, first of all, Rogan Danar. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, Charles, you want to tell people who he is? I brought him back up earlier. The from the Great Okana, uh, Regis Okana, Captain Stadius Okana, and his yeah. challenge yeah. of Picard in that I think it's him, the early series. But he was just he was a funny rogue. 
He was a fascinating rogue. His story would just well fit a lower deck style uh, theology. And and of course everybody knows who Khan is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, he did not wear Khan a prosthetic chair. Khan had the Khan didn't have the great hairstyle. He had the chest hair. Yeah, and when Tendi says, oh, I want to talk about his bulging chest hair, but I got to pee first. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was laughing. Oh, my God, it was so funny. It, w- it was just yeah. funny, funny, funny all the way around. Because, you know, it's to see on a Star Trek episode other characters within the Star Trek universe sitting around talking about the same stuff that us Star Trek geeks sit around and talk about and about a make-believe universe is just hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about this every week, I feel, but this show is so deep in its references. I mean, I feel like every episode that goes by, I'm like, Oh, this one's got, you know, the references are really deep. This one's really deep, but this one just goes super deep. I mean, I, you guys probably remember from the previous episode when you see the trailer for this episode, you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, oh, it's Star Trek Six. Like it just like the trailer even for this one just looked exactly like Star Trek Six. Turns out it's not exactly that in the episode, but just that kind of setup is pretty amazing. And then you just you start digging deep, deep, deep. Uh, we had a caller earlier who mentioned that Kurtwood Smith was in this particular episode, which is amazing because he has played a couple of different parts uh, in the Star Trek universe, and he plays a major character in this one. We also have Kenneth Mitchell, who played uh, Cole from Star Trek Discovery. He's actually in this episode as well. He plays the, uh, oh, wow. the bug captain there. Um, so, yeah, it's as deep as you want to go, man. There are there's so many references here references here. I would love to talk all about them from Denobulan flesh-eating bacteria to you know all the starships that were in that museum that we got to visit. Um, the fan dance, you know, everything. Just, <laughs> I think that's what makes this show so much fun. Born I could not stop watching. There, born there were yeah. born. <laughs> and they were real born, too. They weren't, they weren't CGI Velociraptor yeah. Gorn. They were real Gorn. <laughs> yeah. Real Gorn. They were yeah, real going and, and were, I just let's, and I must, let's talk about the starships well, for a minute. You you mentioned it. Okay. We see the old POS yeah. bird of prey, and Rutherford yeah. is on the bird of prey in its cloak, and he's like, "Why am I floating in space?" And he's walking <laughs> on a cloaked ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, right, and of course, the the point of the episode is he sort of wakes up there unexpectedly, right? Because he does this upgrade, spoiler alert, he does this upgrade to his cybernetic implants, which causes him to keep rebooting throughout the episode. And every time he wakes up, (laughs) something new and totally outlandish is happening. And so he wakes up, he's standing in space, you know, uh, there's not very many ways that could happen. But yeah, in that, in that museum, Jim, well, so there's the, the, the the bird of prey that he's standing on, but then they go to that museum, and I saw I wrote down the things I saw. I saw Jem'Hadar ship, I saw Ferengi shuttle, I saw D seven, I saw a bunch of Federation like shuttlecraft and stuff. Um, I saw a ship that kind of looked like the ship from First Contact, like the Vulcan ship from First Contact. 
Uh, and then I definitely saw a monolith <laughs> from 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch to find that. My favorite part about Rutherford's uh, black and out was when he went to the Goyne's wedding. He's like, ah, goodbye, Goyne, and then he comes back and the Goyne is still there. <laughs> yeah, he's That's... like, come on, implant, save me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the alien yeah, guy's like, wait something. a minute, there were no Gorn. <laughs> Gorn. Did, did you notice that the, the ship they were on was Spock's Vulcan shuttle from Star Trek, the motion picture? No, I didn't notice oh, that. No, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, the ship that they were That's on was, was Spock's warp shuttle that docks with the Enterprise in Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, and when they cut to the ship yeah. and Rutherford is on the yeah. ship and he makes the comment about, oh, it's a good thing that you, that you Vulcan death grip Spock and Spock. That's the Vulcan <laughs> shuttle from Star Trek, right. the motion picture. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, and... And, you know, because this show is on television, this is canon, guys. And so one thing that came up in this um, in this episode that completely reverses known canon, but I could see how it could happen, is that there was a real live salt vampire in this episode. Yeah. It made me start thinking of Sandy Gipple. But so so in the original episode where the where we had the salt vampires, they were uh, that one, she was supposed to be the last of her kind, right? And when she died, that was the last one. But we come to find out that there uh, are still salt vampires out here in the galaxy. <laughs> maybe Sandy will come back on Strange New Worlds or something. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. I, I love the part where, where Tendy's kicking the crap out of the Romulans, and they walk by and they're saying, <laughs> oh yeah, nothing's worse than a Reman. And uh, yeah. they get their butts kicked. Yeah. <laughs> right. And remember, guys, this this show takes place one year after Nemesis. So there would have just oh, okay. been, like, the whole fall of Shinzon and everything would have just happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all, That's all right. Romulans would hate Romulans. <laughs> I so like how I you're trying to classify Dimitrian. And they put like black yeah. bars over their eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was like it was redacted. The first time I watched it, I looked at Jamie and I said, "Why? Why are they wearing black sunglasses? What is the deal with that?" <laughs> and the second time I watched it, I caught that they did that because Tendy was doing that in her description of the people, so that the, she wouldn't yeah. reveal who they really were. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so funny!" Yeah. <laughs> Those are the redactions. Yeah, so, Tendy goes. And he goes through and clobbers the whole group of Vulcans and like, I thought you were just going to be in the... <laughs> oh, well, you didn't tell the cleaner what to do. Yeah, and then later on, the guy says to her, do you want us to believe that you single-handedly took out a whole crew of, of, of Romulans? And she says, but did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But did I? I thought she was super so, excited about going to the conference room to clean up, and she got the sticky roller to clean up the cat hair. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was the one line that I that I wanted to to play for you guys tonight, but I, I picked something different. 
when when um, the doctor says, "Oh God, that means I have to shave my boop boop," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "What is she going to do?" Yeah, there shave? was there was. <laughs> I will say this was the richest episode probably in terms of beep language, and also then the whole description thing that Tendi was doing, where they actually beep a lot uh-huh. of what she says simply yeah. because it's supposed to be classified. So. Uh, but 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 just like we said all along, guys, the beeps is what made it funny, right? If somebody had yeah, dropped an F bomb, it would not have been as funny as if there was just a beep in the place of that. So I just think that's brilliant. I like how no, Rex is like neutral beeping zone. Neutral beeping zone. So. That's a I have uh, another clip. I've got another clip that I want to play for you guys here before we it, 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 before we run out of time for you guys here. And uh, I call this one. You guys are gonna know. Called "Send Them a Message." Stop the map! Oh. Ah, this guy is really bugging. Mariner, what do you think? I think you know exactly how to handle this, Captain. You're right about that. Ensign Boimler, I want options. Uh, about the this. Alien guy? Yes, obviously. Uh, what specifically do you wish to know? Ah, uh, come on, man! This is your chance to prove you got what it takes! <clears throat> oh, well, I, I, I don't know, uh, you, uh, well, the truth is, uh, I think we should do, uh, what you want to do, Captain? Captain's choice! I'm not asking you to kiss my ass! Come on, no wrong answers! We, uh, okay, we could do, uh, evasive maneuver 88... Is he f***ing serious? That was the wrong answer! I'm in 84. <laughs> Let's just let's use the impulse drive to Crazy Ivan. Oh, what in the, the hell is he talking that? about? What? That's insane. But, 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 son, you're embarrassing yourself. You've got a lot to learn, Mariner. Why don't you send our friends a message? Good call, Captain. What, what the hell are you doing? Just send them a message. That means scissors. It means to send them a message to invite them to dinner. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry, <Sergeant. laughs> guys. Oh my God! So where, <laughs> where do we start with that scene? <laughs> so first of all, I want to go back to where he talks about <laughs> executing at, uh, 88, evasive maneuver 88. You guys remember what that was? Oh yeah. Episode no. 88 is where no. he killed where he killed more kids in the history of of Starfleet oh. than he ever did before. <laughs> A couple of episodes ago when he wanted to go on the training and he does episode 88 and all the kids die. <laughs> Remember that one? So that was evasive maneuver 88. But the fire of the phaser. <laughs> Send them a message. And well, no long answer. that's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means to me. If, if I was sitting on the bridge yeah. at the phaser bank and Picard said, Jim, Send them a message. Them a message. That's what I would have done. I would have yeah. sent them a message. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, 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 and they reference, and it's cool in that one. He he's going through those things, and actually, that episode generated a new uh, entry into memory alpha for Crazy Ivan. So, for anybody who doesn't know, Crazy Ivan is actually a like submarine maneuver where um, huh. the vessel tries to do a 180-degree 
turn at a dangerous speed so that it can it can kind of flip around and do uh, you know attack back so to speak. And so that did not used to exist on Memory Alpha before today. Oh. And now you can put Crazy <laughs> Ivan into Memory Alpha, and now there's an entry. <laughs> wow. Like I said, yeah. there were so many just awesome moments in this episode that just to pick some to talk about was just there was so there was other great ones. So I just thought mm. to send them a message because that's just exactly what I would have done. You know, Charles, would you have fired? Is that what you would have done, Charles? Well, that's what I was using and send them a message to send them our opinion, not that they would be nice to them. Right. Well, and it was cool, too, because some of these references that they throw in here, guys, kind of actually also reference fan theories about things. So, for example, in this one, you know, David was talking about Q. Um, Q actually references Trelane in this episode, who, of course, is the character from the Squire of Gothos um, in TOS. And a lot of people have kind of supposed over the years that Trelane is actually a Q. And actually, I think there was a series of novels that um, dealt with that, with, Q, with uh, Trelane being part of the Q continuum. But now... Here you have actual reference to it by Q, which I just thought was hilarious. And, you know, it's like self-referencing and fan-referencing at the same time. And they were All right. so, the future. Remember when Q said something about sitting on vineyards? Yeah, I was going to say, right, so, sitting on a vineyard making wine. That's future. Okay, you guys, are, you, you, you guys, are, you guys ruined... You completely ruined my big oh, no. finale. You you ruined oh, no. my whole ending. You trashed it already. You you ripped it right out of my you heart. Threw it on the ground and stomped on it. You sent me a message. So since you guys are also since you're also eager to talk about it, I will jump to the end. Spoiler! <laughs> I should have said that first. <laughs> Here is In segment the three. ultimate clip <laughs> that I was waiting for to play at the end. I, we just get right to it. Here it is. I, it was cold in there. I've got sensitive corneas. I told you. <laughs> I challenge you all to a duel. Pick your weapon. I pick the mine. Get out of here, Q. No, we are done with random stuff today. We're not dealing with any of your Q bullshit. But he just appeared. I thought he appeared on the bridge, but not in like 
in a while. Well, I guess he did appear in the bridge this episode. I can't remember now. But anyway, yeah, yeah I, I wasn't much of a surprise for me. It was just more of a, you know, oh look, he's 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 back. He's in the he's here. He's in the Star Trek universe. Yay! So it was kind of fun, but you know, at the same time, it was wasn't much of a surprise at all. Thought it was great because Q showing up wasn't had really nothing to do with the episode. It was just a a fun right. little um, afterthought, a nod to the fans. It was a great nod. Yeah. It was a perfect nod. But it really had nothing to do with the episode. But it was fun. So, I think I think that's yeah. the, that's the best part of it is that it didn't the episode didn't focus on him. Uh, I've always said you know I don't mind Q showing up in future episodes of Star Trek. I just kind of feel like we've seen an awful lot of episodes dedicated to Q and his shenanigans. So it was nice to have him kind of as an auxiliary character in this one. And he was funny. Yeah. He, he was. He really, really was. Um, so like, before we run out of time, guys, let's go around and get our scores for this episode. We'll start off with David on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best and 1 being the worst. How would you grade this episode, David? Oh, I, I'm definitely going to be giving this episode a nine. A nine? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And how about you, Eric? Uh, I am not afraid to push this to a 9.5 because I literally could not stop laughing almost the entire episode. I thought it was really good. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Charles, are you gonna are you gonna keep our? I think with, I think with the twist of the trial, I think we're perfect in this episode. This was this is, I think one of the things we really want to see out of Lower Deck. I'll go right in the middle about a nine point two five. And you know what, guys? I actually uh, was tempted when I watched this with with my daughter Jamie. Um, I actually was like, I'm, this is going to be a 10. This is my favorite episode so far. I never stopped laughing. I, I, I was just mm-hmm. falling. I had to go back and watch it again because I was laughing so much from the jokes and the references that I missed them. I had to go back and watch it a second time. And I was going to give it a 10 because I just, I, I never laughed so hard and enjoyed an episode as much as this one. It was perfect. I mean, perfect. Yeah. The humor was balanced just right. Q's appearance wasn't over the top. The references were, were perfectly on cue. Even something that I'm really big on, the soundtrack was superb in this episode, if you guys noticed it. And I was going to give it mm-hmm. a 10, but, but I don't but. like to give shows a perfect 10 because I always like to see it get a little bit better. So I'm not going to give it a 10, but I think I'm going to go with a 9.875. Mm-hmm. And not a perfect ten, but it was as close to perfect as I think lower decks could ever be. It was that superb. So there you have it, our review of Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, Maybe we can wow. call these uh, point values as uh, warp factor ten or warp factor nine point something. <laughs> warp factor. Well, that's the thing. We we if we treat them as warp factors, like if you want to get into the geekery of it, you know, the closer we approach 10, the, it, it goes off into an exponential curve. So a, a 9.2 is much <laughs> bigger than a 9.5, then a 9.5 is bigger than a 9.2. So I totally agree yeah. in the uh, warp scale because then I can give something a 9.9 and still have lots of room to grow. 
<laughs> so, um, before we close out the show, guys, I want to play the trailer for next week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, which we'll be talking about same bat time, same bat channel. This is it, the preview for next week's Lower Decks. Hey, guys, do you mind if I take over the deck? Oh, you simulated the crew? Yeah, they'll respond exactly the way they would in real life. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Don't talk to me! I'm pissed off! Amazing! What was that? Hey, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you do to my program? You made it into an awesome movie! What, you wrote out a whole script in two seconds? I just, like, hit the act rate, couple set pieces. I am Vindicta! Vengeance personified! Oh, boy, somebody's really laying it on thick. Star Trek Lower Decks, <laughs> Episode 9, next week. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, so it's time to say goodnight, obviously. So I want to say thank you to David for calling and hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome. But I got one more thing to add that I really wanted to put in here really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. So um, I always thought for the whole time that Rutherford was his first name. I didn't that his first name was Samantha Thon or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was now, but I thought that was kind of weird. When I first heard it, I thought they called him Samantha. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's that true. Yeah, it's right. true uh, in all of Star Trek, right? And Tendi, they actually used her first name in this episode, too. And we found out several episodes ago what Mariner's first name was. So, yeah, you're right. They do use uh, last names all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah they do. <laughs> And I want to thank Josh for giving us a call and sharing his, his thoughts on Lower Decks. Josh, I wish you called back. And when we were talking about Lower Decks and playing the uh, trailers, we always do Lower Decks at the end of the show because of the time delay between where I am and where Eric and Charles is and where you guys are. It gives you guys a chance to get home from work, have something to eat, and, of course, tune into Trek Talk. And so that's why we always do Lower Decks, Discovery, and uh, we'll be doing um, uh, the Mandalorian at the end of the show, just so you know. I want to say thank you to uh, Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Charles, we couldn't do the show without you. Oh, always fun. Great. And, of course, Eric, thank you very much for hanging out with us on this Thursday night and Trek talking with us. Eric, thank you. Always a blast, guys. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys listening around the globe. And uh, we'll see who actually becomes number one next week. We'll see if Canada can hang in there, see if Norway can knock them out. we got a lot of movement going on in our uh, numbers around the globe. So let's see what happens. But regardless of what happens, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Please head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Like and follow us and become a member of our family. We'd love to have you. Um, aboard and without any further ado I want to say thank you to everybody have a very very good night I'm Uncle Jim your most excellent co-host signing off be good to each other stay safe hailing frequencies are closed good night everybody good night can we go already yes fine Engage.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.